I love the thoughts of that song. Beautifully done. Brother Weeks, were the words of that song right? <laughs> no, not that song. I meant the one we sang in 567. What if it were today? Shouldn't that be glory, glory, Jesus could come today and not will come today? Or something like that. Jesus will come someday. All right, so it's either will come someday or could come today. Because the title of it is, what if it were today? So none of us really know. We've all sung it differently. But he is coming. And I'm going to check that out and find out now. All right. Turn to Luke chapter 12. We'll read one verse to get us started today. And then I'm going to give you a whole bunch of verses that you won't have time to turn to. If you want to write them down, you can. Or simply listen to the message again on any one of the platforms that we are on. Okay. So Luke chapter 12. We're going to read verse 40. The words of our Lord Jesus Christ. When he speaks and says, Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I pray, Heavenly Father, for the filling of the Holy Ghost of God, that as I preach, the Word of God will go forth in power, convict sinners of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Turn their hearts to you, I pray, and for believers, may our hearts be made glad as we think about the potential reality that Jesus could come today. What a marvelous thought, Lord. It'd be great for all of us to be in glory before the day was out. Have your way in every life, I pray. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Now, to be sure, Jesus warned his disciples and others several times about looking for the second coming of the Lord before he died on his first coming. In Matthew 24, 42, Jesus said, Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. In the book of Mark, chapter 13, beginning in verse 35, he says, Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly... He find you sleeping, and what say I unto you, I say unto all, watch. Now, as we go through the apostles, and that's just a few times that the Lord Jesus made similar statements. He made them more than just those three that we looked at. But we look at the disciples, and one thing you have to say for sure is that they were all looking for his coming. As a matter of fact, since everything that's put down in the Scripture... Uh, was given by the Holy Spirit of God for those that had a part in writing the scripture to put them down. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Even back in that first century, the Christians were to be looking for his coming and were to be looking today. But just a few references in Romans eight nineteen for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. In 1 Corinthians 1, 7, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Philippians 3.20, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He doesn't say we will look. He says we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, 4, and 5, you're dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. In 1 Thessalonians 1.10, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. In 1 Timothy 6.14, That thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you read those verses, the people he's writing to, it is obvious from this that they were to be looking for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ as the church throughout the ages is commanded to look for his coming. Titus 2.13 even says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. In James 5.8, be also patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Revelation 16.15, behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. In Revelation chapter 22, that's the last chapter of the Bible, three times he tells us that he is coming quickly. In verse 7, he says, behold, I come quickly. In verse 12, he says, behold, I come quickly. And then in verse 21, he says, surely... I come quickly. In the last chapter of our New Testament, the last chapter of the Bible, the believers are admonished in this letter to the seven churches of Asia Minor that Jesus is coming quickly. And John responded with, even so, come Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ is coming back. And the Bible is full of the news. Do you realize that there are over 1,800 references in the Old Testament to the second coming of Jesus Christ? 17 Old Testament books give it prominence. And I'll remind you that all of those prophecies concerning the first coming in the Old Testament were fulfilled literally just exactly like God said. And get this. The people were not looking for his coming the first time because when it was announced, when the wise men came, when Annas and Simeon uh, both gave their praise to God because they were able to see God's salvation in the baby Jesus, the people didn't get it. They weren't looking for his coming and they were supposed to be. And today, throughout Christendom, unfortunately, there are many who are not looking for his coming today. They are blind to the fact that he's coming back of the 260 chapters in the New Testament. There are 318 references to the second coming or one out of every 30 verses. For every prophecy of the first coming, there are eight prophecies on the second coming of Christ. Robert Murray McShane had a group of men around him and he asked a friend that was at the gathering, do you think Jesus Christ... Could come today? And the man replied, I think not. So he turned to the man that was next to his friend. He said, Do you think that Jesus Christ could come today? And the man replied, I think not. So he skipped over a couple of people and said to the next man, Do you think Jesus Christ could come today? 
He said, I think not. He kept going around the circle and he said to another man, do you think that Jesus Christ could come today? And the man replied, I think not. He said, well, men, in Matthew 24, 44, the Bible says, Jesus said, be ye also ready. For in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3 that scoffers shall come in the last days and they will be scoffing at the second coming of Christ, even mocking it. And unfortunately, that's even done in churches today. But we have been told in the scripture to be looking for his coming. And if there's anything, by the way, that would make me premillennial, pre-tribulational, that is that he's coming back for the church before the tribulation, and that he is coming all the way to the earth at the revelation before the millennium. If there's anything that would make me believe that, it's the clear teaching in the New Testament in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. That is, that he could come at any moment. There's not one thing that has to be fulfilled, not one prophecy has to be fulfilled for him to come and catch us out of here. And when I say us, I'm talking about born-again believers. Now let me give you just a couple of things about his return. His return calls for us to be alert. We're admonished about being alert over and over again in the scripture. Turn over to the book of Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. And notice in verse 11, where the scripture says, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. As a matter of fact, you look at the scripture, we're admonished over and over again that we are to be alert to the spiritual truth that he's coming back. Go over to 1 Timothy, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, a rather lengthy passage that goes into chapter 5. Notice beginning in verse 13, where Paul writes and he says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in, G in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from the heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now there would be no comfort with those words if it couldn't happen at any time. If we had to go through a tribulation first, there's no comfort in this because he couldn't come back today. He couldn't catch us out of here if, he had to, if we had to go through the tribulation first. But we go on. 
He says, but of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. What's he saying? A thief doesn't give warning when he comes. Jesus is not giving another warning other than simply what's in his word. He's not giving a warning before he comes back. He could come back today. He could come back this noon. He could come back this evening. He could come back tonight. I mean, we may go to bed tonight, and those of us who are saved wake up in glory, and those who are lost, never been born again, wake up to a whole different world where all kinds of cataclysms would be taking place. I'm not done. He says, for when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we are faced all about us by the dullness of to spiritual truth, just like they were in Jesus' day. You would have thought, for instance, when the wise men came and they had the testimony from the Old Testament of the time when Jesus would come for the first coming. No man knows the time of the second coming, but the timing of the first com- uh, uh, coming, that lines up with the book of Daniel, chapter 7, chapter 9. He told us when he was coming. Not only that, in the book of Numbers, he also talked about his star appearing. And so when the three, or when the three wise men, when the wise men came, and uh, there were probably far more than three, but uh, they brought three gifts. That's why people talk about three wise men, but they had three gifts, three types of gifts, all right? Uh, But let me move on. I don't want to get stuck on that. Uh, But when they came and announced that they had seen his star, in the east, and when the men that were around King Herod went in and read that he would be born in Bethlehem, you would have thought that they would have followed with these wise men. They didn't do it because they didn't think he was coming. It took some wise men who were from over in Babylon to believe what the scripture said and to come. Meanwhile, those around, uh, those that were around Jerusalem, they weren't looking for his coming at all. Even the shepherds, by the way, who did come to the manger, they had to be told by the angels in heaven in order to go down there to see the young child when he was born. You see, we expect of lost people not to get it. But saved people have no excuse. We've got the Bible. We've got the Holy Spirit of God who gave us the scripture living inside of us. We've got the words of the Lord Jesus that commanded us to watch. We've got the clear statements in the New Testament by Paul, by Peter, by James, that we are to be looking for his coming. Clearly, we should be looking for his coming even now. He may not tell us the time. And he doesn't tell us what time, what day, or what hour. He just tells us we're to be looking for his coming. 
We've got his word, Psalm 119, 130. The entrance of thy word giveth light, and it giveth understanding to the simple. See, part of that spiritual dullness that we have today is people are not faithful at reading the Bible. They're not faithful in their prayer life. They're not active in the word of God. They're caught up too much. They're not active in the service of God. They're caught up too much in all that's going on in the world. Man, we can tell you what's happening. We can tell you about inflation and this recession that doesn't exist. Well, we can tell you about all that. But what about the work of God? I look at all that and I say, thank God Jesus Christ is coming back. We're not only faced with the dullness of man to spiritual truth, but we're faced with the dullness of man to spiritual dangers. I mean, the natural man doesn't see the pitfalls of life. He fails to see the results of sin, though well documented. You take, for instance, something like this. How about drinking and driving? Do you realize on just our nation's highways alone, I'm not talking about Brazil, not talking about Russia, not talking about throughout Europe or throughout Africa or Southeast Asia, just in our country alone, about 20,000 people every year are killed on our nation's highways and alcohol is involved. 20,000 die in accidents where alcohol is involved in it. And even though there weren't, and now we've got more accidents taking place because we're too busy texting people. Matter of fact, I was driving down 565 a few months ago and this lady went around me and I don't know how she was steering the car because she had a phone in one hand texting and an eyeliner in the other hand doing her eyes. She must have been driving with her knees. I don't know. How on earth could she possibly pay attention to what was happening? I mean, you talk about distracted drivers, there's a bunch of them out there. And since we've legalized all these drugs, now you've got another group of people out there high on marijuana. It's dangerous to be on the highways in America today. But people don't believe that that danger. You've got this, these smoking commercials out there today done by all, a bunch of people that have gotten cancer from smoking. They didn't think it would happen to them. Some of those advertisements are pretty gruesome. People didn't think it would happen to them, but it did happen to them. I remember my dad used to say, uh, he used to tell, he says, yeah, oh, I can quit smoking anytime I want. I've done it a thousand times. That was exactly the problem. Died of a massive heart attack at the age of 63. Smoked all of his life and not hardly something to brag about. Just didn't think it would happen to him. Everybody always thinks those things are going to happen to somebody else. But think about a person who's without Christ, lost. And the only thing that is keeping them out of hell is the mercy of God by God allowing their heart to keep beating. When that heart stops, you're dead. When it stops, you go out into eternity. And if you are without Christ, you'll be like the rich man who died and in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torment. There's no second chance. There's no purgatory. If you're going to get saved, you've got to get saved now, the Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. There's a spiritual danger of dying lost. Not only that, we're faced with the dullness of man to prophesied events. Now, God, as I said, prophesied the first coming of Jesus. Every prophecy fulfilled literally exactly like God said. We've got all these prophecies concerning the second coming of Christ. 
They're going to be fulfilled exactly the same way that the first prophecies were fulfilled. They're going to be fulfilled literally. As a matter of fact, turn over to that passage in 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Notice he tells us what the days would be like. And of course, they've been like this for a long time. He says in verse 3 of 2 Peter chapter 3, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. When you hear somebody mocking the rapture of the church, the second coming of Christ at any time, that person is a fulfillment of what God said it would be like when Jesus comes back. They mock his coming. All you got to do, you can get on the internet, you can find all kinds of people mocking the second coming of Christ. Um, in World War II, 1942, remember the war started December the 7th, 1941, with the bombing of Pearl Harbor by the Japanese as far as the Pacific theater was concerned when we declared war on Japan at that time. Well, in 1942, uh, Jimmy Doolittle got together a group of pilots, flyers, bombers, and so on. What they were going to do was launch an attack on Tokyo. And strict secrecy had to be about. They couldn't tell anybody. As a matter of fact, there's a lot they didn't tell the pilots and their crews because they didn't want it to get out what was going to take place. If you've ever seen that old film about 30 seconds over Tokyo where those planes went in, by the way, there's so much behind that story. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. The planes went across. They bombed Tokyo. They continued flying. Some of them crashed in China. Others bailed out in China. A few of them got to land in China. The, the guy that, uh, that I'm not going to say saved Jimmy Doolittle, but the guy that rescued him and his crew and a few others was a man by the name of John Birch. John Birch was an independent Baptist missionary in the country of China. And this man, who dressed like the Chinese, went about uh, winning people to Christ. And once the war started, he worked with the underground uh, as the Chinese had invaded the land. And he is the one who rescued Jimmy Doolittle and several of the flyers. But let me get back to the story. Now, suppose as they got all these pilots together in one place gave them an idea that they were going to be doing something very, very special, but they were not going to be able to contact their families. They're going to be flown to a secret location somewhere in the country where they were going to learn how to take off in bombers from an aircraft carrier and be able to do it. And so imagine them getting on a plane, transport at night, the, all the windows have been blocked out so they can't see where they're going. They won't know where they're at when they get there, at least at first. And uh, they get on the plane. They're told they're going to a location where they're going to get this special training to be able to take off of an aircraft carrier and do a great job for America. They get on the plane. They fly for an hour. They fly for two hours. They fly for three hours. They don't have a clue where they're going to, have no idea how long it's going to take. Uh, they fly for four hours. 
Now, they know they're going to land someplace. I mean, after all, the plane's going to run out of gas if they don't land sometime. They know it's going to happen, that they're going to land, but they don't know when they're going to land. I'll guarantee you, as each hour went by, they, were, they felt more assured that they had to be landing soon. Six hours pass, and they're still flying. And what are they looking forward to? They're looking forward to that time of landing. They're sure it's going to pass. Listen, I have got the word of God that tells me that Jesus is coming back. He tells me, he says, behold, I come quickly. Now we know a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. I know it's been almost 2,000 years since he ascended on up into heaven. It's been a while. He said he's coming. We ought to be excited. We are 2,000 years closer to his coming than the church has ever been. It ought to cause some excitement in our hearts that before this day is out, we could see Jesus. His coming calls us to be aware of what? Well, it ought to cause us to be aware of sinful actions. Turn over to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Notice beginning in verse 1. He says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. If you really believe Jesus Christ could come back today, you wouldn't wait tomorrow to get till tomorrow to get things right with God. If you've got sin in your life, you'd want to have it right. You know, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, when we have communion, one of the things that we're to do is to examine our hearts to make sure we're right with God before we partake of the Lord's Supper. To partake of the Lord's Supper with sin in our lives is to partake of the Lord's Supper unworthily. So he tells us to examine ourselves. And then he says, and so let us It's a time of making sure that you're right. But dear friend, we shouldn't wait until we have the Lord's Supper next time to make sure we're right with God. We ought to make sure we're right right now with the Lord. You see, if we believe Jesus could come in any moment, we'd want to be right with him at all times. Thank the Lord. Not only that, we ought to be aware of what Christ has done for us. When you talk about the Lord's Supper, what's the purpose of that? Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. He talks about the bread representing his body. Talks about the juice or the cup representing his blood. That every time we partake of the Lord's Supper, we think of what Jesus Christ did for us at Calvary. Over and over again, whenever we see somebody get baptized, it's a reminder that Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose from the dead. He did that for us. Now, I've been saved uh, last year, in November of last year, I was saved for my, I had my 50th anniversary or 50th birthday, spiritual birthday of being born again. And praise the Lord. That shouldn't get old to us. It ought to be fresh to us. 
what Christ did for us. When was the last time you sat down and just thought about what Christ went through to provide salvation for your sinful soul? How he gave of himself for you, as Paul would say, he loved me and he gave himself for me. He died on the cross in my place. Why? Because he loved me. That's why. I didn't deserve to have him love me, but he loved me. Paul understood that. We ought to be aware of the events also that are going to follow. What's going to happen when Jesus comes back? Well, let me show you a couple verses. Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Beginning in verse 51. I love this. He says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put an incorruption and this mortal shall have put an immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. That when he comes, as he says back in verse uh, 51, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment, the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound. When that trumpet sounds, we're going to be changed. The dead who are corrupting in the grave will be made whole and those bodies will be brought out to meet their spirits that are with Jesus in the air. And then for those of us who are alive and remain, we'll be caught up and changed as we get caught up from being a mortal to an immortal body that will never die. Personally, I'd rather go to heaven that way. I personally want that to take place. But if it doesn't, then thank God I know that if I do die, that my, I'm still going to be with Jesus. For to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. When he comes back to catch us away, go back to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And just notice verses 16 through 18. When he says, for the Lord himself shall descend from the heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then he says, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Now what happens after that? Then's the judgment seat of Christ. Then every believer, everyone that's gotten caught up and those that have uh, died before, they will stand before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ to give an account for the things done in this body. This is not a judgment that determines heaven or hell. If they were lost, they wouldn't get caught up. Only the saved are getting caught up. That's it. And then there's the judgment seat of Christ where we will give an account. Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive reward. If any man's work be burned, he shall suffer loss though he himself shall be saved. Yet so as by fire. 
Now, he said, well, what about the lost? What happens to them? They will go through the time of the great tribulation. That will last for seven years, but great numbers of the lost will not. Many of them will die during the tribulation time. Now, there's going to be some people. Matter of fact, a great number of people get saved. According to Revelation chapter 7, we find that 144,000 Jews, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes, are going to recognize, finally, they're going to recognize that Jesus of Nazareth was their Messiah, and they're going to put their faith and trust in Him, and they're going to go out throughout the world to witness to people of every nation and every country, and they're going to win multitudes. Many of those that get saved at that time will be martyred for their faith. But when you look at chapters like chapter 6, chapter 16, several other chapters in the Scripture, God is going to pour out His wrath upon a Christ-rejecting world. There will be great cataclysmic things that will take place. And literally, there's at least twice when a third of the population of the world will die because of the things that will happen. And you think, surely that would make people turn and say, God, forgive me. But no, they won't. What they'll do is they'll call on the mountains to fall upon them as they curse God. As a matter of fact, there's some locusts that are going to be able to sting men uh, for a period of time. And men will want to die, won't be able to die for that six-month time when that takes place. That time of tribulation will be an awful time. Now, wait a second. You say, well, hey, if the rapture took place today, I'm telling you about Jesus. I'm telling you about his death, burial, and resurrection. I'm telling you about his offer of eternal life to all that believe. I want you to notice this. Turn over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is another that describes the beginning of the tribulation time. But I want you to notice beginning in verse Well, let's see. Speaking of uh, the devil and uh, the Antichrist, he says in verse 9, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. These are people who had rejected the gospel of Christ. They had heard it. They had rejected. He says, And for this cause... God shall send them strong delusion. Who's the them? It's those who receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. They rejected the gospel message. He says, for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You see, the only time you know that you've got to get saved if you've not been born again is today. Because if death comes, obviously, it'd be too late. The Bible says, behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. But if Christ came back to catch believers away, you say, well, wait a second, preacher. If suddenly a bunch of people disappeared from the church right now, I'd know that was the coming of Jesus. No, God will send you strong delusion so that you'd believe a lie. Because you didn't take the truth when you had the opportunity to receive the truth. You decided to stay in the unrighteous state of remaining lost before God. By the way, his return also calls for us not only to be alert and aware, but to be active. We ought to be busy 
In John 9 and verse 4, Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. I want you to get this. Children of God, now's the time to serve God. Now's the time to be busy for God. The time's coming when no one will be able to serve him. Now's the time to be busy for God. The night comes when no man can work. Jesus told his disciples, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for it is white, all ready to harvest. Brother Larry, bringing the message about the, the job of the church, what its work is, and planning Bible-believing New Testament churches, uh, and he covered that very, very well. The point is this, we're to be about that. At Madison Baptist Church, that's what we're about. Sending out missionaries to start churches that will do what we're doing here in winning the lost. And we've done that around the world, many different countries. We've done that. And we're still calling for God to send more laborers into the fields. Here, we're to be busy at spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. A tourist came to a beautiful garden in Switzerland. And at the gate... There was the gardener who was trimming some of the trees. And the man said to him, he said, how long have you been here? Who's your boss? He said, well, I've been here for 24 years. He said, I've seen my boss four times in 24 years. He said to the man, he said, wow, it's beautiful. You've done a fantastic job. He said, you must be expecting him tomorrow. He said, no, every day I'm looking for him that day. I want it ready for him to come, no matter what day he comes. And in our walk for him and doing our work for him, we ought to, we ought to be working like Jesus is coming today. Well, when I retire, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start going out. So when, and when I retire, I'm going to start giving. When I retire, what if he comes before then? You know, it's not about what you would do down the line. It's what are you doing for him now? Because he could come back now. Therefore, we ought to be winning the lost. An old divine, an old preacher back in the early 1900s, Samuel Chadwick, said, why does the church stay indoors? They have a theology that dwindled into a philosophy in which there was no thrill of faith, no terror of doom, and no concern for souls. Unbelief has put out the fires of passion and worldliness garlands that altar of sacrifice with the tawdry glitter of unreality. Do you understand that the things we're preaching about today, this is true. It is going to happen. Just exactly like he says. He's coming back, and it really could be today. Oh, we get worried about the economy. We get worried about the stock market. Oh, and all they can talk about now is inflation. Has it brought about a recession? Has it not brought about a recession? And I guess if you're getting paid by the government and, you've got to, and you get to decide who gets what, that the price of gas doesn't mean anything to you. But to most Americans, it means something to them. But for these politicians, it means nothing to them because every place they go, they can say they're representing the people. And guess what? They get reimbursed. Takes very good care of them. But it doesn't for most of us. So they deny it all. But wait a second. For them, as well as us, 
Jesus is coming back, and they better be ready. If they're lost, they'll die and go to hell. Well, if they're lost, Jesus comes back. They're going into the tribulation time. For the say, thank God, we're going to be with him. But I want to be found faithful, whether it's death or the rapture of the church that comes about. I want to be found faithful to him in serving him. 73 years, almost 73. I'll be 73 in a couple months. I've been saying that so much, I've gotten to feel like I was 73. And I don't even know what it feels like to be 73 since I'm not 73 yet. (laughs) Oh, great. I got that to look forward to. All right. Thank you. (laughs) And we ought to be given to missions. Now, Madison Baptist Church does give to missions. I don't know how many do. I don't know who does and who doesn't. But now is the time to serve him. Now is the time to make that which we have all count for him because Jesus could come today. There was a preacher down in Holly Springs, Mississippi, First Baptist Church several years ago. He was preaching on the second coming. And he read the verse in Matthew 24, 27, For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. He read that verse about the lightning shining. At that very point when he read that, a light bulb fell out of its socket in the ceiling and busted on the floor and the entire congregation jumped. Well, after a kind of nervous laugh, the preacher then said his coming is going to be just as unexpected and just as sudden as that light bulb. And then we will meet him, for those of us who are saved, we will meet him in the air. You know, Brother Popwell, I believe there are going to be a lot of people sitting in churches when the others get caught up. Because all they did was sign a card. They never trusted Jesus. I mean, it's not going to have anything to do with who looks nicest. It's going to be who has Christ as their Savior. That's who's being caught up. And thank God, it could be today. Are you ready? Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Dear God, deal with hearts today. I believe your word. I believe you meant exactly what you said. I believe there'll be scoffers in the last day. and They're sure around. They've been around for a long time. But that doesn't change the fact that our Savior's coming. And we look for your coming. Father, please, if there's one here without Christ, may today they see their need for the Son of God and turn to Jesus and be saved. I pray for believers today, dear Lord. May they allow the Spirit of God to examine their life. Are they living like Jesus could come back today? If not, may they get right with you. Heavenly Father, please, may they get each sin taken care of and get involved in the work of reaching the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. For we ask it all in Jesus' name.